thank you. And we just ask you to pray for us. Keep us in your mind when you have your prayer meetings, especially when we go to Europe. What day are we going to Europe, David? The May 9th, and we stay to June 18th. So (laughs) we need your prayers. It's not always easy in Europe. And I have to speak in German. I don't preach much in German, only once a year. And, you know, I speak a language develops. And I have been gone from Germany a long time, so I have a real... Some of my sermons stick good because it's a total old German sometimes. (laughs) And, you know, I even use some old Bibles and people would come to me, you don't say these things anymore in church. But I'm telling you this, sometimes God used the awkward and the incomplete to make it stick in people's lives. And I just thank the Lord that he still can use us in Europe because it's just a privilege. You know, I never preached in Germany for 30 years. I didn't like Germany anymore. I was embarrassed to be a German, but God has done great things in my life to set me free to embrace what he has in our life and for our life. Anyways, this morning I'm going to touch a huge subject, but I'm going to put it in a nutshell. And that huge subject is actually, I'm going to talk a little bit on on freedom. What freedom means, I think, in my life, uh, it's one thing I have always looked for, to be free. And, you know, it's not easy to be free. Sometimes we take it, we think freedom is self-government. Sometimes we think freedom is independence. Sometimes we think freedom is wealth. But all this is not freedom. Because Christ has a whole different... Uh, understanding of freedom to give to because he came let me just read Galatians 5 1 it was for freedom that Christ set us free therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery and then I want to read the scripture in John chapter 8 John chapter 8 from verse 31 so Jesus was saying to these Jews who had believed him if you continue in my word, then you are truly my, then you're truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendant, and we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to help me to be interpreter today of your heart, of your spirit. Lord, is all I have to put in human words. Would you, the revelation and the light, would you going to shine in our hearts and in our lives. And Lord, sometimes we think we're free, but we're far from freedom because you have to teach us how to walk in the liberty of the spirit. And Lord, I just thank you for the anointing. I thank you for this church. I thank you for for the leadership. I thank you, Lord, that you truly have diamonds hidden in the rock to bring forth for time and for season. Lord, I thank you that you are digging deep this day to break out that precious stone. Lord, they they don't grow on a tree. Lord, diamonds, gold, we have to dig for. They are not there. We'll be standing and see them in our garden. We have to go underground. We have to go deep to find these things no fire can destroy and no moth and wrath can, can eat. And I just pray this day, O oh Lord, that we will be gold diggers, that we will not just people who will see what happens on the outside because everything can be destroyed. But Lord, you promised us when we build on gold, silver and stone and a precious thing, no fire can destroy, no disaster can can destroy because you have given us eternal material for this time and for this season. So bless, I pray in Jesus Christ's name. 
Amen. You know, it's so interesting when you see, when you look at your life, that many, many things in the many years we have lived through to serve the Lord, that there can be things in your life who are so important, who actually lose the importance in the time, in the times and in the seasons you go through. And you know, I believe that the Lord has an eternal value. It doesn't matter what seasons you go through. It doesn't matter what you experience in your life, that there is a value God has given us as Christians with which we can hang on to, which gives us substance and treasure and mobility to move into that what the Lord has in our life. Now, freedom to me is one of a huge subject because I have seen that even those who claim to be free are not free. Now, you have to understand as the Lord, and I mentioned this before, and says, Lord, why did you put Israel? Israel 400 years into slavery now in the 400 years of slavery they have lost their freedom now they did not go into Egypt as slaves they went into Egypt to fulfill destiny and purpose because said God sent Joseph to fulfill what he has spoken to Abraham to fulfill his destiny. And I thought to myself, what was the purpose of that these people for generation? What did they have to do in an hour of oppression? Now you know that some people never see the fulfillment. How did they keep the hope alive for four? 130 years what God has spoken and how did it keep a value in these years when people were slaving under the taskmasters of the Egyptian and I think some generations are born to keep hope alive because without hope your destiny can never be fulfilled and you see when we become hopeless doesn't matter what God speaks in our life we can't see it because when you go to the dark hours of your life, you are responsible to keep hope alive. So faith can be activated to God, can God to move in that what he has and what he has for us. Now in the 430 years, I think God shifted the priority. Maybe as they lived 200 years under slavery, uh, maybe yet they were dreaming to be a political power in Egypt. Maybe, maybe just they hoped that some got intermingled with the Egyptian, that they would become a force and that they would deliver themselves from the bondage. I don't know. But I believe it because it's human way, the way we think and the way we operate in our life. And I realize after the 430 years, what did the Lord do in Israel, in Egypt? He produced a cry. Now that cry, God will listen to our cry. That cry had to become a cry he respects. Now many of us, we have great prayer, but our prayer has no weight. Because a true prayer has to be born out of my heart and out of my desire and out of my longing. You can pray because you're stimulated. You can pray because you've been taught. But there has to be a prayer born, a cry born within you, which is born of the Spirit, by the Spirit, and through the Spirit. And when that cry is born, what does the Lord do? Then he awakened the leader. Then he birthed the leader. He did not take Moses and he was not done. But he was burst to a cry. He was burst to a desire. He was burst to a longing. Now, if you satisfied in Canada and you don't need anything else, God will do nothing. There has to come a lack in God's people, a desire for God to create something which goes over Canadian culture. There has to be the same in any culture, but I'm in Canada now. And there has to come a cry, be born when you're satisfied. And you just pray for God to bless you a little more, for God to just help you a little more. And your prayers are only self-centered because you protect your lifestyle and you protect your ministry and you protect who you are and you're happy to just have a little more money in your job and you just want to live good. Then nothing will happen. God will bless you. But you can pray for revival because your prayer are useless. 
if you don't have an intensity of longing and an intensity of desire to produce a cry where God has respect. And you know, sometimes he brings us to great tragedy and sorrow. You can see in South Africa, why can the 150,000 people come? Not because they invited a big speaker and paid thousands of dollars to bring a revelation and a star of the charismatic move. No. There's born a cry right now. And we cry that God touched them. A cry that God heals them. A cry because they knew no, no political power. That no political answer is there. God has the birth a cry to bring a revival, to bring a revolution, to bring a power. And that cry many times is only born. When God sees that you're no longer satisfied, just protect your own life and walk in self-preservation. Now, I realize as I look, I say, Lord, how do we get free? Free from the influence who makes us captive. I remember how many times Alana Bonte in the days she was still head office in, in uh, South Africa. Now, I used to preach to a staff in those days in the 80s where he had 150 people who uh, worked with him. And sometimes in the camp meetings, he would invite me and I would speak to the staff to encourage Reinhard Bonke's staff to serve and to move. Now, he would tell a story. Maybe I told this here, but it doesn't matter. He told a story which fits into my freedom message. Now, this story was about a farmer in South Africa. And he, that farmer loved a hunting bird. He trained that hunting bird. It would sit on his hand. It, it would hunt for him. He loved that bird. Now, that bird, when it was in the daytime, he didn't put it in a cage. He had a little tiny chain on his foot with a little bracelet. And that bird would walk around that tree until the time was to fly and to hunt. Now one day the farmer came into a predicament where he had to sell his farm. So he decided that that bird was the love of his life. He's not going to sell it to somebody else. He's not going to make it a captive to somebody else. Because how would he know how he'd been treated? So he cried. And he went and he gave a little speech to the bird. And he said, I'm going to set you free. You served me so well. I'm going to set you free. He cut, he went to a ceremony, cut that chain, cried, went to bed and think that bird is going to fly away. He comes out in the morning. That bird was walking around that tree because that bird did not understand freedom. That bird didn't know what freedom was. That bird was trained in captivity. He never discovered his bird nature. And you see, what happened, the chain was cut, but the chain was not cut in here. He did not know what it was to be a bird, to be free. And he had to take that bird and take it in his car and take it in a cage and drive it into a place where he had no familiarity, where he could not relate his old life with his captivity. We had to learn how to be free and discover what it was to be free without anybody taking care of him to develop a bird nature. And you see, many of us, we love Christ, but our chains are not broken. We live in our environment. And some of us, we don't really want to be free. We want to be secure. There's a huge difference between security and freedom. Today, people don't want to be free. We want to be secure because that is what socialism is. It teaches us to rely on government. It teaches us to rely on system. And how in the world can I rely on system from the time I'm born to the time I die? Do I know what freedom is? Do you really want to be free? Now Christ says that. He said, it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. Therefore, 
Keep standing firm. And do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Now, I, we lived in the East. Now, for me, from the time I was little, I wanted to be free. I, you have to understand what the system is doing if nobody rises up. Now, we lived not in socialism. We lived in communism. And communism dictated, they would tell us, if we don't submit to the political process, we will not ever have a chance to go to high school. We never have a chance to go to university. We never have a chance because the system is not going to raise enemy who would come against the system train. Now, America today has not an enemy from without. America has an enemy from within. You know, since I'm little, I love America. I love America. Why? Because America, to me, was a taste of freedom. Why? Because we would listen, we would listen to the voice of America. As I've been little in an attic, and we know if our neighbor would hear us, we would be in prison. And we didn't encourage us in those days to be free. And what was freedom for a nine-year-old to a ten-year-old? What that freedom mean in our life? And something happened within my heart to be free. My brother left when he was 17. My sister left when she was 19. And I seen my mother and father weep. I smuggled my sister out. My, I was just 19 years old. I smuggled my sister out. Having a ladder in my pocket, my parents didn't know. I would take her to the border and smuggle her out with a goodbye letter in her pocket for my sister. So my father and father didn't even know, but they were on a blacklist because we were not communists. We were people who did not conform to the system of the world. And my mother, I remember when I came back and I gave her a letter of my sister. And she says, Mom, I can't stand it anymore, Dad. I remember how my mom wept, how she cried. How she bawled and how she shook like that. And I remember those days how my sister, sometimes in the middle of the night, came over the border and how our neighbors betrayed us. Because the system was more important than love and truth. And how we had to hide my sister because our very neighbors had called the KGB to tell and she came back and how the secret police came and we shoved her into the wall to hide her. And you know, I tell you something, my friends. From the time I'm little, we had to make a choice. Security or freedom. And so the church has to make a choice. Because how you can never know freedom. But you know what it says in John? It's real clear. It's a nutshell. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, it's not an end. It's a continuation, a continuation of revelation, in a continuation of insight. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you don't continue in a word, you're just a church member. You're not trained disciple. The word disciples you. It's a revelation has to disciple you. you. Discipling is an ongoing process, a growth in Elijah. Now, if you disciple, then you are truly my disciples. Then you know the truth. So if I'm not a disciple, I don't know the truth. What is the truth? The truth is not a fact. The truth is not right and wrong. The truth is not something you know about. The truth is Christ. The truth is a personal relationship with Christ. It's Christ. And the truth, Christ, sets me free. And am I free? I'm free indeed. Now, I, I know in our own life, we had to make a choice. We had our house my dad built with my grandfather in Berlin, outside Berlin. 
It's a nice house for the time and season. And we had to make a choice if we leave everything to go into the refugee camp and to believe that God has a way. And many times we would say we didn't, my parents didn't want to do it. My, thought, my dad was in the 40s and he thought he wouldn't get any jobs. And we would say we don't have much more, we can only eat and drink, only eat and drink, we can only do that in West Berlin and West Germany. We can't get more than full. We can't get more than closed. Why should we leave? One day my brother called from Canada. He was 17. I would challenge you to buy his book. It's an amazing story how it came. He didn't speak one word. Not one word English. 17 years old. No mother, no father, no relatives. Coming into this nation. 17 years old. Working in the Yukon in a gold mine. He calls us. He said, Mom and Dad, we would travel for one hour, two hours, just for one phone call for 10 minutes from Canada. And he calls us from Canada. And he says, listen, it's worth it. Leave the house. Leave everything. Go. And we did. We left. Long story. But freedom for me cost something. You know, as I came to become a Christian, my first time I ever came to Canada, I was 15 years old. I could not speak one word English. And I was not free. I only was 15 years old, walking the streets of Toronto. I said, oh, I wish I'd be 70. I wish my life is over. Because I was laughing. I didn't know what to live for. You know, I realize when I look back in our lives, that freedom, and then finally I had Jesus, and I came into church, and I was shocked because I realized the church wasn't free. They told me what to do, what to wear. And every day in Bible school, I looked in the mirror, and I would say, Jesus, you know, I just get ugly for you. I stripped myself. I said, Lord, look at me, what I look like. If I known, I don't know if I could have been a Christian, but they want me to look like, to see who you are and what you are. And I said, God, how do I ever find freedom? How do I get free? And you know, look at this, and today, let me say, freedom is not to be independent. Self-governing is not freedom. Actually, God has created us with moral dependency. If you break the moral dependency and you independence and you rely on, uh, on others and the opinion of others and the guidance of others and you have no moral dependency because you influence, you're not free. Now, what else is Freedom is not the pursuit of wealth to achieve freedom. It's actually free. You see what freedom is today, that people refuse commitment. And they think if you don't make commitments, you're free. That you are totally free to do what you want, to do how you feel, to have self-government. That's not freedom. Now, freedom is hard to understand. If you, and I, I'm just going to show you something. Uh, you know what freedom has been defined? Freedom has been defined as an ability to fulfill one's destiny to reach your ultimate goal. That's to be freedom. If you're really free, that means you fulfill your destiny. If you're not free, you can never fulfill your destiny. You birth, but you birth trained, walking in circles, and not in an environment of what God has in our life. Now, I would say that most Christians have a chicken mentality. We're not birds of flight. We're production birds. We give our meat, we give our eggs and our feathers. But we don't know how to fly. And we think our production is that we produce certain things. But God did not set me free to produce. He set me free to serve. Now, I looked at it and I said, Lord, how can I bring it across? And you have to forgive me because this is just the beginning of my development. 
And I said, Lord, how in the world are going God's people to understand what it is to be freedom when the system of the Antichrist is going to infiltrate every nation, every culture? That we're in such a system that we eventually don't know even know how to break out of it anymore because we don't know how to be free in Christ. And I looked at Israel. And I, as I looked at Israel, I realized that Jesus did what God did for Israel. Now, God did let Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery to make it a free nation. Now, the first thing, what freedom produced, you can never, ever be free if you don't belong to anything. A belonging, a bonding. Without bonding... You can't be free. Now, God frees Israel to be his own. You know what he says in Exodus 19 verse 4? I brought you to myself. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. You will be what? My own possession. He says, remember, do all my commandments to be holy. I brought you out of Egypt. And now on Hosea it says, I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt. And you were not to know any God except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. And as they had their pasture, they became satisfied. Being satisfied, their heart became proud. And therefore, they forgot me. Now, what is the first thing to become free? That you've been bonded. You have to be bonded. You have to feel that you belong. As you don't have no sense of belonging. And you see, today church has no sense of belonging. People go and come because they don't like the pastor, they don't like the sermon, they don't like certain things, and they have no sense. The mega churches have no sense of belonging. They just come to be entertained, and we can never develop freedom through religious entertainment. The freedom is and the liberty comes when I have a sense of belonging. I belong, I belong to the Lord. I know who I am. I know that God has touched me. And when you belong, it's the first step to be free. Because you cannot be free if you're lonely and isolated. God has to birth forth a family spirit for God is our Father. For the God is our Father and Jesus Christ is our bridegroom. Who you know that sense of belonging. Doesn't matter what happens what outside. Doesn't matter. That's why the enemy does what? Destroys family. He breaks down family, destroys family. And, we, and I have to say in South Africa, the families are so strong. Even the government is in a mess. There is such sense of belonging in the family structure that out of it there comes the freedom and the liberty. No poverty and no sorrow can stifle because that sense of belonging sets me free. Free from influence. Free from things who will shape my life and bring des- desperation and sorrow in my life. And you know, I realize how isolated we were as we were scattered all over the country. And you, in a religious system, you can never get a sense of belonging if there is just a system of authority and power. The sense of belonging comes to intimacy and vulnerability. The sense of belonging comes to the desire of eating on the table of fellowship. Now, today, you know what the Lord says? He says, he sets the table in the presence of your enemy. I would say that 80% of God's people are spiritual anorexic. You know what that means, an anorexic? Somebody who refused to eat. Now, what's a spiritual anorexic? What, what do you need to come into church for? To be entertained? No. His word, you must eat. You have to eat it. You have to digest it to become it. You're not just informed. Now, if you're just informed, what happens is that you get the spiritual knowledge. You got a spiritual recipes without having strength. Because the recipes don't maybe get you entertainment, but they don't feed you. So for me to be fed, what do I have to know? I have to eat. 
I have to eat of his body. I have to drink of his blood. I have to partake. Now the Lord does what? When he gives me a sense of belonging, he sets a banqueting table. The sense of belonging comes to fellowship. And fellowship produces an aroma, a stimulation, desires within the heart. So what the enemy, what David discovered in Psalm 23, he said he prepared the table in the presence of my enemy. Now the most of God's people can't eat in the presence of the enemy because they have no sense of belonging. The enemy will overpower them and they will not eat. They, they, it will, the word will not even penetrate them because they have no sense of belonging. Now, when I eat in the presence of my enemy, what I mean, maybe enemy is somebody who opposes you. Maybe you had a fight with your husband and fight with your wife. Maybe it's not right what's happened there. Maybe things are happening in your life and then you come and you come to church. Now, you're not going to pray it away. You get up of church, you go back into the same situation, into the same place. Until when? Until I eat. Now, I know what it means to eat in the presence of your enemy. We have eaten with people who've been in the Soviet Union at those days with pastors who actually have people put into prison who wanted to spy out on the table where we were, came, how many Bibles we had, and how foolish we could be. Now, to eat in the presence of your enemy, it's not easy. You have to be at ease. You have to know what you are and who you are to stay free. Because when you eat in the presence of your enemy and you're not at ease, the, the enemy will have the power for you to make you abstain from the very thing you need. And you will sit on that table and you will not eat of his love. You will not eat of his faithfulness. You will be full of scared. You will have the things, the subject, the substance, but you will not partake of it because your enemy is bigger. Now, David knew as he ate in the presence of your enemy what sense of belonging he had for his calling, for his destiny, and for his purpose. And doesn't matter how big the enemy was, he always had a sense of belonging. He belonged in God's plan, belonged in God's purpose, born for such a time as this, and born for such a season of what the Lord did. The second thing to stay free is to serve him. The reason God raised Israel out of Egypt, you can read it in, in many scriptures, but in Leviticus 25, 55, he said, the sons of Israel are mine to serve me. Now today's servanthood is very funny. Now I've seen servant as spirit. It's not what you do. It's a spirit. In many places there is no spirit. No spirit of servitude anymore. Now, what did Jesus say? I did not come to be served. I came to serve. And you see what happened is when we don't serve him any longer, but we just want God to use us. It's a whole different thing. You can ask God to use you, but you don't serve him. You serve yourself. So I can ask God to use me, but I don't serve him. Now, when I serve him, remember, it's a huge difference. Look at Martha and Mary. Martha was the, you realize she was the dominating in the household. And she served wherever Jesus went. He didn't go alone. He brought at least his 12 disciples along and many other unhangers who came. And Mary was, uh, Martha was upset. And she came to Jesus and she says, come on, make her do help me. I'm sweating, I'm working. And Jesus said something. He said, she didn't, she, she didn't say, now go Mary, serve him. She said, Mary has chosen the better part. But the Lord says, the one who loved me, the ones who serve me, I love. Now, when you study the life of Martha, you can see that Martha kept on serving. She kept on serving to create an environment of worship. You read. They were sitting at a table, and Martha was serving. Lazarus had fellowship, and Mary was worshiping. Now, to create, she, she, God did not 
corrected her serving. He corrected her attitude. Because she served with an attitude which made her a slave. Serving will set me free. But an attitude, if you serve with an attitude, that means that attitude you serve it, in upsetness, you do it. But you're not serving. You just do it because you have to. You're in the bind. Now that attitude will take away your freedom. True servanthood brings freedom. It brings liberty. doesn't matter if I serve the Lord, if I'm at 50 people or 5,000. It changes my mindset. It changes the way I do. I'm not there to bring anything. I'm just a servant. And when I'm a servant, what happens? I get set free. It makes me free. It, it doesn't shape my ministry. It, my goals are not my thing. You know how many of us lose our freedom because our goals are bigger than our freedom. Now, when you serve him, you stay free. Because out of the serving, as Jesus said, God says, and it's the same as Jesus done the same thing for me as individual as he did for Jesus. Now, the third thing is, he sets me free to be holy. Holiness, you know what it is? Holiness is to be apart and separated, dedicated and consecrated. Holiness is not a don't or a sin management. It's not the do and don't. Holiness is, comes to anointing that ordinary vessel being extraordinary for the use of God. And God wanted what? A holy nation. A people consecrated and dedicated to him for the purposes and for the destiny of what he had. And the third thing, freedom brings rest and peace in your life. If you're not free, doesn't matter how you're always striving. You're not free from your striving. You're not free from your ego. You're not free from these things in your life. Doesn't matter how you quote the scriptures, you will never be free. Because it's only Christ who sets me free and the truth sets me free as I become his disciple and the purpose of what God does in their life. Now, I want to show you something in, in Luke chapter 14. No, Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and to, to recover the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, it says in Romans 8, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You, that means you don't suffer consequences because of sin. You suffer consequences because of the sin, but you're not convicted or walk in guilt. The believer can see the law in a total different light. Now, I realize as I come and, and I looked at my brother and I looked at what, he has, what God has accomplished in his life and through his life. Now, the Lord used them twice in my life to set me free. Once was to set us physically free as he called us and encouraged us and helped us to, to make the transition to leave everything we knew and everything we had and go over to the West, into the refugee camps. And, you know, it was a hard, hard process, but it was a process worth it. I don't know, I would never ever be in the same person if I lived in the East all my life long. It's impossible. You can see as I go back into the East, it, many years later since the wall of Berlin fell, how slowly the mindsets of the people are changed. How long it takes 
to set them free to experience what God wants to do in their life. Only now in this new generation, as God moves in, can God break through in Germany in ways you have never experienced. Now, depression does an amazing thing. You know what depression does? Depression steals you of your gifting. If you're depressed, you will have no ability to show your gifting. Now, when, when you go in some of the nations in Africa or in the East, you see that the gifting is in every person. But oppression takes the ability to use your gifting because you have to discover your gifting. And your gifting can only be discovered as you're free. It's like if you are married and you dominate your wife and you dominate your husband, she will never ever deceive, they will never ex- discover their gifting. And I have seen couples who have tremendous gifting, but they cannot use the gifting because the domination of jealousy keeps the gifting inside and it doesn't break out to give freedom. Now, anybody who gets free to set people free, the gifting is released because the gifting needs was a release of freedom. And when you go in some of the African nations who are oppressed by wars like Sudan, or you go in a war zone with David and I, we went to Yemen and will the men sit on the streets just sitting and chewing that gut which gives them like marijuana uh, a rush in their life. You can see there is no gifting expressed, only captivity. And I know as we went to uh, Germany this last year, Martin Luther had his 500-year birthday. Now there were thousands of Lutherans there because God has given a church there in Wittenberg and I wish you go both there. In Wittenberg, when God has done a miracle there. Now these people have struggled for years and years and every time I went there in the beginning of our in Wittenberg, I said, I never go there again. The pastor was sarcastic and uh, you know, he kind of didn't know how to take us. And, 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 and when I went there, I said, boy, I'm not going there again. And because it was so... But I've been there every year for 15, 16 years. And now we're such a friends. And God has done something in their life. And God has moved their miracle-working power. You can't believe what freedom they had. But anyway, as we went to Wittenberg, they made a big panorama three-story high, and you go into that panorama and you see one life of Martin Luther. The light comes on. It's all painted. It's amazing. It's high as it is. And you walk around and you see what happens in Martin Luther's life. Now, Wittenberg is Martin Luther's church where he has pastored, where he has the Caesars on, where the first Bible been printed in Wittenberg ever in the whole world. The first Bible was printed in Wittenberg in the German language. And Martin Luther created the high German so that everybody would understand each other what God was going to bring to get freedom and liberty. And you know, as we walked around and I saw the priest selling, getting money for the people because they paid for their sins and they got big and fat and the people looking small and thin, paying their money to pay their sins off. And as they feed their life, and you can see their struggles all around. And then you come to a place for Martin Luther is in this preaching. And how the light comes and he preaching that the just shall live by faith alone. And you know that just as you stood there, it was so awesome. But you know what was so awesome? As Martin Luther, as God gave courage to that guy to proclaim freedom. Freedom, that was freedom. A liberty that you didn't have to pay money for your sins to be forgiven. That you did not have to pay a priest. For, for them to, to have your sins forgiven, that you could believe that God gives you freedom to help you in your fears and in your doubt. Now, you know, I used to study it, and I knew, used to know facts. In that moment, as the Reformation happened, gifting were released in Germany. Gifting in music and gifting in painter, the greatest painters, the greatest musicians were born 
in freedom, in the light and the freedom. So the gifting could come out. Music will listen centuries later. Paintings who have value, you can't even pay for, which we created to what? To the freedom and gifting. Has one man believed what God can do? Listen, you might be fed in a system, but you're never going to be released in your gifting. You might have a golden cage, but you never know what's to fly. If you dare, don't believe to fall into God's hand. Don't be a second. I ask you, how, what does it mean to fly? If you're born to be a bird, naturally you're not a bird, but you're human. But when you see what Christ has done, he made us an eagle. Now, how do I fly? What does it mean to fly? Fly, rise above my limitation, rise above my thinking, rise above my culture, rise above to experience the storm, the the life above the storm. Now, how does an eagle learn how to fly? And how does an eagle discover, not in a golden cage, in a nest? Not a church is like a nest. And there you grow. There you develop. But you can't stay in a nest. You know what a mother eagle does? For a bird to become free, she puts thorns in the nest. When the time to come fly, because she's not born to sit in the nest. She's born to fly. Now how in the world does an eagle learn how to fly? She doesn't go to university, that eagle. How does it learn to fly? The only way it learns to fly, not cautiously. The mother eagle will kick that bird out of a nest and it falls. It doesn't know what the wings will do. It falls down. And as it falls down, just like my sister had that vision of the Niagara Falls yesterday, how you jump down. Don't think it is a good feeling. But freedom. Now what happens when it falls? It learns to fly. Because it discovers his wings. It discovers it comes, can move in a different realm. And it's the same with us. We're not just born to be good Christian. We're born to be extraordinary. We're born to break the limitation. Because Christ died for me to be set free. You know, it's not always easy. Freedom costs a price. You can see how many times Israel lost freedom. Because they desired things of the old life. Of a system they despised. Of system they hated. Imagine that. When you just think of Israel... They hated to be slaves, but as soon as they came in a crisis, they want their food. They didn't need that food. They had manna. Why? Because they had appetites developed in captivity. You had to kill in, in freedom. Now, it took a whole generation for people to get free. whole generation. Walk into the desert. Having new priority. Listen, you have only one life to live. You know what's the most important thing in your life, in mine? It's time. Time. Nothing you can take with you. Nothing. I mean, I look at these things. My God has, I don't collect anything hardly. You come to my house, what would you say? Less is more. Less is more, absolutely. You can see I have little few souvenirs. I love pictures. It looks very nice. Don't think it looks grumpy. (laughs) (laughs) But less is more. Plain, less, why? Not because I love certain things, but they have no value. You hang on to things your kids don't even want. Your kids don't even want. I see so many kids, they don't want what mother has. She trades us treasure. And sometimes mothers are so hurt that the kids don't want it. They don't even want your pictures. 
and your photos. And you hang on to it with all might. Listen. There's a new place for us. I don't mean you have to get rid of your stuff. But don't be so attached to it that it stops you. It says, don't put your heart. Don't, your heart is your treasure. Don't let moth, your heart be where moth and rust corrupt and will sheep's break through and steal. Don't. You know how many people in South Africa have to change their value because their treasures have been stolen over and over again. Taken. And how we suddenly have to release things we have onto. And God just wants us to say, be free. I give you eternal values. You know, they don't only look to the things that are grown. For you to find that gold and that silver, which nobody can steal in me, I have to dig. You have to dig deep to experience value. Nobody can rob from you. Nobody can take from you. You know, I, I, I realize, and with this I close, I, I realize since I've been little, I always looked in the mirror. Since little, I would look in the mirror and say, what's life all about? What's the purpose of life? And you know, sometimes we, we Crystal and I, we, I was nine, she was six, we would travel all over Berlin smuggling because we would go under the lakes of people when the trains were full and we would smuggle cheese and dry milk powder that Americans sent for us and we would hide it because our grandpa and grandma and father and mother were starving. And sometimes the guards came in, it was before the wall of Berlin was built, and they would drag us out. I can't tell you how many times I've been dragged out into barracks and searched and stripped. It took me a long time not to have a heartbeat on borders. A long time. And you know, I, I realized one time that we had all these sheaths, cheddar sheaths. We never used to have it in Germany. We, we thought it tasted strange, all of, but we were so hungry, we developed an appetite for it. And I don't know, I maybe told you this last time. I thought to myself, what can I do what they don't steal? What they can't steal? What they can't take from us? And about one day, I got the revelation. I said to Crystal, you know what, Crystal? He's just going to eat it now. <laughs> Two stops before the border. I mean, big, big, some chewing the down, trying to get the milk powder in our mouth. We looked all, to chew it down to get it down. Not because we were hungry. You know why I did it? Because I knew what I had in the belly. They were not going to steal. Everything from without, anybody can take. But what you got inside, nobody can rob. Nobody can steal. And you know how I believe that God's people need to be free. Free to fly. Free to develop. Free to run our race. Free to pursue God's calling. But you can't be free except to Christ Jesus. Free to be bonded and free to love, free to walk, free to serve, free to rest, free, free. Imagine if David would hassle me every day and say, are you not going to preach? I'm preaching today. We would never have our gifting flowing. We have to set each other free. To let the gifting flow of our lives so our marriage can become a blessing and not a captivity. And you know how many couples don't know how to set each other free because we're so envious of each other. And we use anything and everything to bring captivity. Listen, if God, you set people free in any area of your life. You're going to see the light of Christ going to shine in you, through you, and for you. So that you can walk in the greatest darkness because God is greater than the darkness.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much. It seems like I went around about. But Lord, I think they got the point. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you're breaking the churches out of systems, political systems, religious systems, man systems. And Lord, as you're breaking out of the system and release each other, to serve each other, to be bonded to each other, to walk in holiness and in extraordinary uh, anointing of your spirit as the anointing flows in our life. Lord Jesus, then we can walk in the rest and in the power to know what it is to be satisfied and to know what it is to be completed. Lord, how many Christians have served you and yet in the end of the day they're unfulfilled and they feel like they have not done what they needed to do because they came never into the freedom and liberty what you died for. For. Lord, you didn't die for me to exist. You died for me that I might have abundant life. And Lord, I thank you for Canada, what you have done in this nation, how many people you have brought into this nation. And Lord, how many people came here to experience freedom and to experience liberty and to run away from the circumstances of there where they have lived for. But Lord, I pray that the securities will not make us lukewarm and indifferent that there will be a fire burning within us to experience let us not be the bird who is satisfied to clip our wings and to just go by commands of man to do what we ought to do in our whole environment I pray for this church I thank you for Yako and Catherine for their life Lord that you have brought them from the island that you have brought them from the heat and from the sun to this this place, oh God, to bring forth a time and a season in that time to bring impartation and life and freedom and liberty and to release giftings and power in people's life to dare to hope, to dare to believe, to dare to be different, to dare to reach out, to let the Christ flow through our life in freedom and liberty. I pray that you take the complexes. I pray that you take the I pray, oh God, that you break the yokes, the loneliness, the unfulfillment in our life because you are our fulfillment. You are our purpose and you are our destiny. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this couple that you've raised up. Lord, leaders that you've put in place. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, that out of their leadership is going to come the release. Lord, the release of gifting for my son and daughter. I've raised you up that you might release many into the places, into the gifting, into the uh, ministry, into the places that, that I have for them. And as you walk in freedom, so you're going to deliver and set others free to be what I've called them to be. And this is going to be a development and a growing thing and the Lord says be of good courage and know that I've set you on course that you might be on the crest of the way that you might be like a pioneer that will blaze the trail for there is not many that were willing to walk in freedom but because you're willing to walk in freedom I'm going to give you the ability to set many captives free and the kingdom of God shall prosper as you set them free the kingdom of God will grow and there shall be a manifestation of my power and my spirit as you walk in me. Yes, and I even going to get you influenced with different men and different women of different ministries, says the Lord, because there are people who are crying, who have been in the systems for years, and who have served me for years, but yet they have been discouraged, and they have been de depleted, and I will say unto you that I'm going to bring them to you, and they're going to ask you to come, because you're going to be one who will bring you, blow the trumpet for the year of jubilee says the Lord because the sound shall be heard and the walls of Jericho shall be fall because there shall come a revival in this nation says the Lord because there is a desperation in the hunger and that their yes, people God. are crying out to me in their houses in their, in their homes and in their bed and they don't know what happens in their life and I would say unto thee as they come to the end you're going to show them a be 
beginning, you're going to show him a way. You're going to show him a life, says the Lord, which is not born to the will of man, but to my spirit and to my power, because I have formed thee and fashioned thee for such a time as this. And I would say unto thee, my son and daughter, be of great courage. Be thou not intimidated by the giants of this land, because you're going to see how they're going to fall. You're going to see how they're going to crumble because it's a new season in this nation because I'm going to raise up the people in the army who will declare my ways and bring forth my light. It will be like Gideon's army, says the Lord, where their purpose will overpower their need and will no longer their need overpowers their purpose because they are awakened in them. It's going to be spring in Canada, not only in the natural, but they're going to awaken the hearts and lives for new desires and new longing and my son and daughters you are going to be instrument in my hand to tune this move saith the Lord thank you Lord